1: I hope that you're having a wonderful uh, Saturday. And uh, of course, uh, I will be remiss if I do not mention anything about Christmas. So I want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, it's uh, going to be a couple of days from now uh, when uh, the nation uh, and the world actually uh, will either make take note of the Christmas uh, celebration or celebrate Christmas indeed, depending where you live, of course. And uh, as a result, uh, of course, of this uh, magnificent occasion, and as always, we like to uh, make um, basically a a devotion, if you wish, for this celebration, for this event. Uh, We we like to talk about it, and we like to, of course, invite our Muslim friends to... Please listen to why this celebration, why this event called Christmas is so important, not just to us who believe in Christ, but even to you, uh, those who at least have yet to make a confession of faith to follow Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, the true meaning of Christmas uh, really is the celebration of the birth of Jesus, who lived basically here on earth 2,000 years ago. But... The most important thing about it is that he came to earth, left heaven, was born here, took on the form of a servant in the likeness of man, in the flesh, basically. Being equal to God didn't consider that to be uh, a robbery in terms of denying that while he's serving us. But the most important message is that he came to die for our sins and to die specifically a a humiliating death on the cross. Listen to what 1 Peter 2, 24 says. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. And Peter is quoting from Isaiah 53, where it says there that by his wounds we were healed. And here is the importance of this momentous event, that the Savior of the world came and became sin for us who knew new sin. He came to earth to become sin on our behalf. He's not a sinner, but he, for a moment on the cross, became the bearer of our sin, so that the judgment of God will be pleased, will be fulfilled against sin. And now the grace of God is available for free for all of us. Those who believe will be saved by grace, by faith. But if you reject the work of God on the cross, you will Remain in your sins. That's what Jesus says, actually. He says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In John 5, he says, if you believe in me, basically, you have passed from death to life. You have eternal life immediately, instantaneously, when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, the significance then of Christmas is the purpose behind it. And the purpose was to enter into the world. That's our Lord Jesus Jesus Christ, to enter into the world and become one of us, that He might deliver us from our sins. Jesus is not just any man. You hear people all the time saying, He's just a good man. He's a prophet only. Uh, He is a righteous person. He's a wise person. He's a good teacher. You know what? All of that applies to Him, no doubt about that. But He is... Much bigger than that. He is God Himself incarnate, meaning God appearing in the flesh. And this isn't a small matter for God. He has to send His Son, basically. When He entered into the world in the flesh, He became now uh, the, uh, you know, God incarnate on earth, the Son of God. That's what we call Him. Proven to us that God exists. And proven to us that God is a merciful and gracious God, and God who is love, as the Scripture teaches. He became one of us that he might deliver us from our sins. Jesus is not just a man, like I said, or any man. He is God in the flesh. That's what John one one, for instance, says, In the beginning was the world, uh, the word, I should say, and the word... W-O-R-D, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory of who? Of God, glory of the Word of God, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Notice, full of what? grace not law, grace and truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the act of God is the grace of God on the cross. Colossians 2.9 described our Lord and Savior as, For in him, in his body, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. No one have seen God, by the way, and no one can see God and live. That's what the scripture teaches. But in Christ, we can see God we know who God is, we understand the righteousness of God now, and we have an opportunity to take part into that righteousness, not by our works, but by believing in Christ. Therefore, his righteousness will be passed on to us. That's what Second Corinthians five twenty-one says, that he became sin, who you knew no sin, so that in Christ we become the righteousness of God. He is the second person. Of the Godhead, the Trinity, basically, who by being born of the Virgin Mary, by being born of the Virgin Mary, was made under the law. That's what Galatians 4.4 4 says, that in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why is that significant? So that in Christ we, we can fulfill the law perfectly, because left to us, we are unable to do so. Jesus told one of the uh, Pharisees uh, or uh, the people of the law when they ask him about what shall I do to uh, uh, get eternal life, and he says, you know, do these commandments, do them, and you will live. In other words, if you can do them perfectly all the time, all the days of your life, you will live. But because God knows that we are unable to do so, By his grace, he gave a sacrificial system, ceremonial, uh, basically sacrifices, atonement by blood for a period of time to point us to our Savior who did it once and for all as the magnificent sacrifice that is acceptable by God. He came to earth, was subjected to the same temptations, limitations in his flesh, but He won on the cross and defeated these temptations, defeated sin, and most importantly, defeated the wages of sin, which is death. And in Christ, we have eternal life. Maybe the body will die for a time. The scripture says that we will go to sleep. That's how uh, the description of death, the death of the body. But we ourselves in the spirit will be in the presence of the Lord, absence from the body, present with the lord so with that we celebrate and rejoice the passing of the saints in fact you know just recently i have two uh, dear uh, basically friends and uh, colleagues that uh, uh, we know of and uh, we interacted with and uh, they're highly basically uh, uh, I, I would say they're faithful people they are very involved in ministry and in serving the lord and serving the saints and a church, but both of them due to unexpected illnesses uh, have passed uh, away basically from uh, this temporal life on earth to the eternal life. We know where they are. We celebrate and rejoice. And yes, we mourn this temporary loss, but that doesn't mean we will not be with them later. And we, we know for a fact because of the promises of our lord that we will spend eternity together with him now uh, another important thing basically is that according to john 3:16-17 this particular coming of our lord and his birth demonstrated to us the love of god his grace grace righteous judgment as well so for instance in john 3:16 and 17 we read for god so loved the world that he gave That's love. He gave his only begotten son, okay, that whoever believes in him, notice, now that's faith. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. There is no judgment again, but have eternal life. That's the gift of God. That's grace right there. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. Why? Because the world, world, W-O-R-L-D, the world that we live in is world worthy of judgment, but that the world might be saved through him. Saved from what? From this judgment. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 20 tells us that the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven. That, That means that we are condemned. In fact, in John 3, it says that if you believe in the Son, you're not condemned. But if you do not believe in the Son, you are condemned already. That's why... Romans 8 verse 1 said, there is is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, judgment is paid for, basically. Jesus took your place on the cross. The judgment place that was reserved for you has been basically removed because Jesus himself paid the penalty on our behalf. That's the importance of Christmas. It's not about lights. It's not about good deals in the mall. It's not about uh, celebrations and parties. All of that is good. Nothing wrong with rejoicing in the Savior. But Christmas has a much deeper theological and spiritual meaning. The Savior of the world entered into our world. A child is born. Why? A son is given to us so that in the Son... We can become the righteousness of God by faith, by grace. Here is some other significance of uh, the birth of our Savior. In Matthew 118, Matthew chapter 1, 118, look what it says. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows: When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, has been betrothed uh, betrothed, meaning like she was between formalizing the marriage, but also engaged formally, to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by who? By the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's extremely important. That's the virgin, basically, birth, technically speaking. Now, in a six-month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. That's the kingly line of Christ. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was perplexed. She was troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of a solution this was. The uh, of salutation. This was the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God." You see, Gabriel appearing to Mary told her, "Do not be afraid." And we have a prophet in Islam called Muhammad who claimed that Gabriel appeared to him in a cave. For the first time when he was 40, and he was troubled. He thought he was demonically possessed. He was afraid and didn't even recognize that that was an angel from God and didn't even know his name until 14 years later. Big difference here. Big difference between what the Bible is teaching about Gabriel and his appearance, in this case to Mary, bring in the best news ever for the world versus the prophet of Islam who brought nothing but sadness, travesty, violence and change of the gospel message from grace to works. Verse 29, we're reading from Luke 1, verses 26 to 33. In verse 29, it says, But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus Notice the name is given by God. That's why we call him the son of God. The name in right is given by God, and Jesus' name includes the name of God. Jesus' name means Yahweh uh, is salvation. Yahweh, uh, Shema, basically. Uh, uh, And uh, Yeshua, I'm I'm sorry, Shua. Yahweh and the word Shua, meaning uh, Yeshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves, okay? The name of God is in his name. No wonder then, culturally speaking, of course, he could be called the son of God, but that's from a spiritual standpoint. He is the representative of God on earth. That's why he is called also the son of God. And God, the father himself, called him his son. Who am I to change what the Bible is teaching and what God himself was pleased To call him son. In fact, in the scripture it says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then in chapter 17 of Matthew added, Listen to him. The same basically exhortation and then added the phrase, Listen to him. So I should listen to God and his son. In verse 31 it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Notice, from the get-go, he will be called the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That's another reason, or multiple reasons, really, for celebrating Christmas. Jesus' birthplace for instance, was prophesied in the Old Testament. In Micah 5, verses 1 and 2, we read, But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His going forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Meaning, this king existed before his birth in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. From all of eternity, he existed, basically. That's what John 1.1 says. In the beginning, the word and the word, W R D. the word was with God and the word was God, okay? Jesus is uh, basically uh, being born of a virgin also is a fulfillment of a prophecy in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 7.14, for instance, we read, therefore, The Lord himself, notice, not just anyone, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew added, and that means, which means basically, God is with us. Hallelujah. God arrived at the birth of Christ. That's what we celebrate The arrival of our Lord and Savior in the flesh 2,000 years ago. Jesus being God in the flesh was prophesied in the Old Testament. It's nothing new. People sometimes think that we are fabricating things and inventing things. Not at all. It's a fulfillment of the Old Testament teachings. Listen to what Isaiah 9, 6 says, for instance. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born to us a son. Who is this child? a son will be given to us. So the child that is born in the fullness of time, as Galatians 4, 4 says, he's the son who existed for all of eternity that will enter this world, being born as a child. And they, this is the description of who this child is, who is the son of God. And the government will rest on his shoulders. What government? World government, the kingdom, basically. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, notice, Eternal Father or the Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace, hallelujah. That's the Prince of Peace. This is the one that can give you that peace that surpasses all understanding, as the scripture says. Not anyone, no religion can give you peace. No man-made religion or man-made prophet or fake prophets or false prophets, even the godly, basically, biblical prophets cannot give you peace. It's God who gives you peace. God himself, is the source of that peace. The prophets came to share the message of God, to draw you back to God. And Jesus is that Prince of Peace, who is the ultimate fulfillment of those messages and prophecies that will reveal to us. Listen to the words of Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10. God is speaking and saying, I, God, basically, will pour out on the house of David And on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace, notice the spirit of what? Of grace and of supplication, of thanksgiving, of prayer, the spirit of grace and of supplications, so that they will look on me. On who? God is saying, I will pour out so that look on me whom they have pierced. Wow, pierced who? How can you pierce God? In Christ he was pierced on the cross, basically. That's why Jesus rightfully says in the book of Revelations, chapter 1, verse 18, I was dead, and now I am alive forever, after he introduced himself as I am the Alpha and the Omega, okay? They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him, as one mourns for an only son, the only begotten son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. He's the firstborn of creation. That's what Colossians 1.15 describe him because he's the first order now, the one that came back to life in the flesh. Basically, his flesh rose from the dead and he become now the model for us. That's why he's the firstborn. This is another reason to celebrate Christmas. Okay? And Jesus would be preceded by a great, great prophet, basically, was prophesied in the Old Testament. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Not clear the way for a man. No, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. That's John the Baptist who came to do this. That's the voice crying out in the wilderness. This is what Isaiah 40 verse 3 says. That's what Mark chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 says that John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this particular prophecy. And John came to do what? To clear the way for the Lord and to make highway for our God. Not for a man, but for God who appeared to us in the flesh. Beloved, many reasons why we should celebrate Christmas, and for this reason, I hope that if you have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, if you haven't confessed Jesus as Lord, if you didn't believe yet in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you have not, I, I ask you and I, and I beg of you to pray and ask him to accept you, to forgive your sins, that he will become your Lord and Savior and that that you he will pour out his Holy Spirit in you to renew you, regenerate you, and to cleanse you from your sin by his precious blood, that you will become the righteousness of God in him. That's my invitation to every single Muslim who's listening to this. That's my invitation to anyone who doesn't know my Lord. Do you know him? My Lord and Savior who came to die on the cross for you. Hallelujah. Only our God can do something like this. No idol, no God of a man-made God can ever do anything for you. But the real God, the true God, the living God is the only one that can do this for you. That's why the scripture rightly can call him God is love. That's why this act is grace. And that's why Jesus can say he is the way, the truth, and the life. Until we meet again, my prayer is that you will enjoy this time of celebration and you will reflect back on what the Lord has done for you. Until we meet next week, may the Lord bless you richly.